0: Welcome back to Season 4 of the Morgan Stanley Ideas Podcast. I'm Ashley milne On this season, we're taking a look at the future. We're looking at how the things you do every day will be different 10, 20, 50 years from now. To answer these questions, we're going to the places where the future is already happening. Because the future is already happening somewhere. It's just a matter of knowing where to find it. Today's episode, The Future of Housing. We're in northwest London and it's the end of a long work day. We're standing in front of a modern apartment building called the Collective Old Oak, which sticks out from the neighbourhood's architecture. The building is 11 stories high, made entirely of glass, and sits on top of two red steel beams, which elevates it high above the rest of the landscape. Dozens of young professionals pour through Old Oak's front doors, and out of the crowd walks Ed Thomas. Though he looks like he could be a tenant, He's actually the Collective's customer experience and insight lead. He guides us through the building's lobby and into the elevator for a tour.
1: So we've just come up to the 10th floor and I'm really excited to show you a room so you can see what the private spaces look like in the Collective Old Oak. So as you can see here, you've got the bed um, by the window and it's a queen-size bed. And then you've got a, a shed, kitchenette. Uh, they come fully furnished as well, so you don't need to worry about going and buying kind of uh, pots, pans, plates, knives, and forks, etc.
0: From the outside, the collective old oak might look like a standard renovated apartment building, but it's not. Each apartment, which comes with all that furniture and kitchenware, is about a hundred square feet. That's about the size of a large SUV. While this might sound cramped, Ed knows these tiny rooms don't deter people from living at Old Oak.
1: We've been absolutely blown away since day one. You know, We've, we've been at 99% occupancy for, for such a long time now, which I think just shows that people love living here and consistently have like high 90s in terms of customer satisfaction.
0: The collective Old Oak offers something besides a place to rest your head each night – each resident or member of the collective has access to way more than just their tiny bedroom.
1: Starting at the top of the building, we have the English pub, the Japanese tea room, the French bistro. they have then got the library, the games room, cinema room, the secret garden.
0: This housing model, a community of private living quarters connected by shared communal space, it's called co-living. Co-living isn't a new idea. Throughout history, people have always wanted to live together. Think of a university dormitory or the Israeli kibbutz model or the Danish communes of the 19th century. But the Collective Old Oak, which opened in 2016, is ushering those older models of co-living into the future. It's Co-living 2.0. And what sets it apart from its predecessors is its scale.
1: And the Collective Old Oak is actually the world's biggest co-living space with a building of 550 people you're highly likely to find someone who shares an interest or a passion you know you just have to look at the stories of of people that uh, are happening here the friendships being formed the, the businesses that are starting just people generally having a better living experience and for us it's in the last three years it's really validated this as a model this isn't just a a mad idea or a, you're a fad, this is something that's here to stay. And I genuinely believe that this is how we'll live in the future.
0: The collective sounds like a millennial's playground, but as history has shown, co-living isn't limited to one demographic. Right now, co-living might feel geared towards young people looking for a one-stop place to sleep, live and socialise. But in the future co-living could be an option for all – families, older generations, niche communities, and everyone in between. On today's episode of the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast, we're thinking about where we live. We're trying to understand why it's so much harder to find a home today than it was even 10 years ago, and why co-living might be a solution to some of the housing market's greatest barriers. We're going to explore different versions of co-living across the globe – from London to Portland, Oregon, and finally to Denmark to see how we all might live together in the future.
2: When you think about the American dream, the so-called American dream, uh, it's a home. Uh, It's a house with a yard, with a picket fence, a dog and two and a half kids. But I think the American dream is changing.
0: This is Rich Hill, the head of commercial real estate research at Morgan Stanley. And he knows it's not just this American dream that's changing. It's the whole housing market. And while apps and online services are making it easier to shop around for homes, a tighter credit market has made it difficult to secure a mortgage and actually buy a place to live.
2: So we do have an affordability crisis that's really been driven by the housing crisis. We've had regulation of that uh, of the housing market, um, which is which has led people to rent, which has created a supply versus demand problem. There's a tremendous amount of demand for apartments, um, and that's led to accelerating rents. It's a it's a big problem, particularly in urban areas,
0: and especially in cities like London, New York, or Hong Kong, when you're stuck living in super expensive shoebox apartments. Renting can sometimes feel isolating and not worth all that money.
3: I think people are really hungry for two things. Value for money and a sense of community and potential.
0: This is Samantha Garfield. She heads up strategic communications and growth for The Collective. The Collective's flagship co-living property, Old Oak, is in North London. But they have plans to expand to major cities all around the world – In every one of the collective's locations, the trade-off is the same. When a new member joins the collective, they make the choice to swap personal space for high-end communal amenities. Instead of devoting 30% of their income to a tiny apartment, their money goes towards a sauna or group yoga lessons or a majestic library where they can host a book club with their neighbours. Your space is both yours and not yours. You don't have to worry about maintenance or upkeep. And at the same time, you can customize your life and try
3: new things. I think more and more people will be inclined towards co-living as an option because it allows them to pair their life back to the bare essentials in terms of what you own and what sort of work you take on for yourself, creating a lot
0: more freedom for you to live the life you want to live. Over 75% of the collective's residents are 35 or younger, placing them squarely within the millennial demographic. And co-living does seem to scratch many of the itches this generation has.
2: If we're talking about a a millennial and Gen Z cohort that wants to be a little bit more communal, wants to be a little bit more flexible in where they live, and, oh, by the way, affordability is a real big challenge, co-living, in theory checks a lot of those boxes.
0: There's a perception that millennials and Gen Zers only want to rent rather than buy homes. But that's not really true. Millennials make up the largest generation we've ever seen. The sheer number of people looking for homes to rent or to buy outnumbers the housing options on the market. So the increase in rentership could be a result of this deficit. Or it could be that millennials and Gen Zers alike are just generations on the move. So I think we know as a company
3: that there is an increasing sense of nomadism that we're all inclined towards as working professionals, as freelancers, as writers, creatives, artists, whatever. And when someone becomes a member of the collective, we want for them to feel free to move from New York to London to Berlin to fill in the blank and have a community already there waiting
0: for them. To fill the needs of this increasingly mobile workforce, the Collective Old Oak offers short-term leases ranging from four months to a year. Some people do stay there permanently. But there are other co-living communities where long-term co-living is more the norm than the exception.
4: We moved in August of um, 2017. So we've been in here a little over almost two years And it's the same folks that are here that when we moved
0: in, nobody's moved out yet. This is Lou Bowers, the founder of PDX Commons, another co-housing community in Portland, Oregon. PDX Commons is smaller than The Collective, with 39 residents, compared to nearly 600 folks that call The Collective their home.
4: Um, this is the janitor's closet because we take care. We clean the place ourselves. So my job is to clean the stairs so you'll see on either side. We have While PDX
0: room. Commons might share a the basic stories. concept of co-living just with the collective, a... there are a few things that separate Lou's home from the largest co-living facility in the world. Where the collective had people like Samantha and Ed and a whole host of support staff to keep the place running, PDX Commons is of the people, by the people and for the people.
4: We manage the building ourselves. There's no large corporation involved. It's just us, um, and we do the management, and we also do the maintenance of the building. It works for people that really want to contribute to the community. Now, there's a lot of ways to contribute. We have one woman who's a retired librarian, and she takes care of the library. We have another woman that's a retired banker, and she helps with the finances. We have another guy that's incredibly handy, so he does all kinds of small jobs.
0: Lou and the other PDXC members are so committed to the commons because they actually own it. In that way, it's similar to a small co-op building in a city like New York, but it has more shared space and amenities and a shared purpose. And rather than just staying for a few months or a few years like many of the collective's residents, for PDXC members, this is their home – And they've had a lot of experience taking care of homes over the years.
4: Tonight, It's actually one of our members' (laughs) birthdays.
2: And I'm looking for another
4: 60 candles. Uh, 60, yeah, we need quite a few candles.
2: This is our first 80th birthday celebration. Here, here.
0: Where the majority of residents at the collective are millennials, all the residents at PDXC are over the age of 55. Co-living may not seem like the average boomer's desire, but actually it's just a slight reframing of a classic dream. Here's Rich from Morgan Stanley again.
2: The baby boomers are the ones that said, all right, we're going to focus on the American dream. So the baby boomers have actually owned a much higher percentage of homes. And not only do they own a much higher percentage of homes, but they've been staying in those homes for longer.
0: Baby boomers owned homes in the housing crisis – For many, their homes are only just now regaining their value. That means now is a good time to reimagine what home ownership could be.
2: When we think about home ownership, and I can't underscore this enough, it doesn't mean just owning a home. Uh, It can be apartments, uh, it can be single-family rentals, it could be co-living as well.
4: Um, When it came time to decide what we were going to do with our retirement, we lived in a big old three-family house and uh, my wife's a serious gardener, and she woke up one day and said, "I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. Uh, I, so let's move." So we decided co-housing was the way to go. Basically, it was that reason of wanting to to go through this aging process with people in the same, you know, in the same boat, going through the same process. That's what caused us to say, "Hey, let's do a senior co-housing project."
0: PDX Commons offers a practical living solution for older people in Portland to age in place. Lou says that if he and his wife weren't at PDX Commons, they'd probably be in some kind of independent living facility. And a lot of seniors just don't want that. They want neighbors to take care of each other.
4: So the research about seniors aging has really said that one of the fundamental issues for seniors is social isolation. That as you age, the society kind of begins to ignore you. Um, And you begin to have mobility problems. You know, when I go down to take out the trash, I'm probably going to run into five or six people and it's probably going to take
0: me 45 minutes to, you know, catch up and say hello to folks. That's what we want here. But building your own co-housing complex means more than household chores and birthday parties. Lou and his community had to work really hard to get PDX Commons off the ground.
4: It took us certainly a year longer than I anticipated to find the people.
0: You have to get the funding.
4: We had a difficult time getting a bank that would give us a mortgage.
0: You have to find a site to build on.
4: We looked at 23 different sites.
0: And then you actually have to construct the building.
4: We found buried underground
0: tanks in the site that we didn't know about that delayed us. We had problems. It took Lou and PDX Commons nearly five years to turn their co housing idea into a reality. On average, it takes about seven years for a co housing space to get off the ground. And Lou thinks this is seriously prohibiting the expansion of co-housing around the country and around the world. It shouldn't take four and a half years. We should be able to do this
4: in like two and a half, three years. I think that's a realistic timeline to build community and build the building. Four and a half is a a long time for some people to hang in there.
0: Some of these problems, however, aren't unique to co-housing. Rich recognizes the similarities and challenges in building any type of house from the ground up. I think
2: in many cases, the the co-living market is is quite similar to uh, uh, the single-family rental market or the apartment market or the the single-family home market. Um, When we think about this, you still need someone to finance the building. You still have to have all the infrastructure. And in fact, you actually might, in some cases, need to have more infrastructure, but different types of infrastructure you do in a traditional apartment building. You still have to have all the insurance and the title insurance, but it just comes in a different form than
0: what we've seen previously. These different forms might seem daunting for people who want to start their own co-living space. But over in Denmark, there's a startup working to establish a template for co-living that could move the model into the future – and in their hands, creating a co-living community happens much more easily and quickly.
5: It's very hard to get the financial part in It's incredible hard to structure the whole logistics and the whole project development part. And it's nearly impossible to get financed. Now, what we've set up is to say, OK, those seven years, what we have done with our
0: technologies is to,
5: to compress that into two to two and a half year process.
0: This is Lars Lundby, the founder of Almenor, a Danish company that's reimagining the future of co-housing.
5: Almenor is a really unique platform that that unites a, you could say, a dating site for for people who dream about a more social lifestyle, of a a type of lifestyle where you live together and share more resources, with a a real estate development company who actually takes care of business and, and, and does what it takes in terms of, realising the actually construction and and project management of of a new co-living village.
0: Almana's streamlined process starts with an app. Rather than casting around blindly for the best tenants, the app matches up prospective neighbours based on common interests, hobbies and lifestyles.
5: So basically all the tools we know from the different dating services that exist out there of saying who am I, What's my dreams? What's my competences? What, what's my values? And how do they fit into a, a larger community uh, that may share these dreams? So, so that, that's utilizing, you can see, some of the, the online technologies to, to provide that. And then add on all the stuff we know from organizational psychology, the way we put together good teams.
0: Then, with a the community established, Almana sets out to find a space. And not just any space, but a space that really fits the community's specific needs. Take this one community Almana has built, young families living together just outside of Copenhagen. What was once an abandoned school is now their home.
5: So a natural thing that happens here is that there's a beautiful old gym as part of the old school. And... And and traditionally, we would just tear it down or or turn it into apartments, right? That would be the the classic way to do it. But in this project, when you realize who these people are, that becomes a huge resource. Just think to have your own gym. How cool is that? What could that be turned into? A climbing hall, a a sports facility. It it, it has all these potentials that suddenly becomes a resource for the community.
0: This is one version of the perfect co-housing complex, The beauty of Almana is that they believe there's no one-size-fits-all in co-living. But turning your specific co-living dream into a reality takes time, money, and expertise. How do you turn a former classroom into someone's bedroom? What about the plumbing? How do you navigate that process without reinventing the wheel? You turn to Almana. This is
5: a group of people, say 40 families, who pay a sum, and the total sum adds up to finance the project development phase we, the, so that Almana can pay for a, good, a very good architect, for the lawyer, for the surveyor, for all the things that needs to get done. And we can go
0: put down a, a down payment on a, on a property. And Almana makes that funding process easier too. One person would have a hard time getting a loan large enough to fund a housing project of that scale. It's exactly the issue of how do you borrow
5: money how do, you, how do you make a co- collaborative, cooperative credit worthy? So what we've done is we established a f- foundation that is basically a bank. It, it allows the, the community to lend money, a small sum of money into a, f- a foundation who then provides equity up towards a bank who provides the building credit, the loan for the building process.
0: So it's actually, you could say it's a small bank. But once you've got all that in place... How do you merge a couple dozen people's dreams into one cohesive reality? Almana doesn't just solve the logistics, they also facilitate conversations and workshops among new community members to make sure everyone's happy. <laughs> At Almana's headquarters in Copenhagen, Lars is leading a planning workshop for a future co housing community a shared summer home on the coast of Denmark. A group of 15 people arrive at the meeting and gather around two tables with a large white paper on each. It says must-haves in one column, nice-to-have in the next column, and not necessary in the last. It's only the group's 2nd meetup, so they're all strangers for now, but Almina is breaking the ice. They take some time to dream up their ideal summer home, and after they're done, they present their ideas to each other. A hip-looking young woman with short hair chimes in. She envisions a meadow and a small forest on the property. Then, a woman in her 50s suggests they create a space for live-action role-play. And a young guy in a baseball cap wants a patung court.
2: The <laughs> <laughs>
0: Regardless of everyone's specific desires, they all agree on one thing. They want that open outdoor space to be communal. They see themselves hosting parties or establishing traditions, like one week a year when they all make schnapps together, one suggests. <laughs> Everyone seems to like this tradition, until Simon, a member of the community, gets them back on track. He says they need to keep working on the community's slogan.
5: <laughs> this group
0: is building a summer home. It's not going to be their everyday living space. But this same process that Almana has established has the potential to be replicated for people and properties everywhere. And no matter the community and specific housing goals, Almaner believes that co-housing can be the happiest housing option on the market. Just imagine uh,
5: 25 families getting together who all have small kids. I mean, it takes two seconds and you have this wild rumpus going on with kids just having the time of their life and all the parents looking at each other with happiness in their eyes and saying, yes, this is the life we were dreaming about.
0: The success of Almena's existing co-housing communities and the interest it's gathered in Denmark are evidence that co-housing can be a viable housing option for a wide variety of people. Not all co-living is in a luxury high-rise in London or a brand new house in Portland or an abandoned school in Copenhagen. It might just be in the house next to yours or the apartment building across the street. Here's Rich again.
2: So if you think about it, it is very possible that you can start to see apartment buildings having a mix of traditional apartments but also co-living. And so where it could be really interesting is filling what was, what's so-called uh, structural vacancies. So when I think about structural vacancies, it's really hard to have any building, whether it be an apartment building or an office building, 100% occupied. There's always people moving in and out. It is possible that you could have co-living spaces that could help to fill that structural vacancies, and move occupancies from 95% up to 96 97 maybe even 100%, and fill some of that void that's always there.
0: Co-living might help solve both existing and future problems within the housing market and help tenants find their ideal place to live. It might look different for different demographics, but that's the idea. The definition of housing can change right along with us.
2: I could argue that the next 10 years uh, for the housing market will be as progressive as the last 50 years was combined.
0: Thanks for listening to the Morgan Stanley Ideas Podcast. You can listen to previous episodes at slash ideas. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Ashley Mountight. See you next time.